Here is the Crescendo Music Education Podcast, episode number 66. Clickety click. <laughs> Debbie O'Shea here with another episode of the Crescendo Music Education Podcast. I get to talk to Ruth Friend for this and the next episode. So this is part one. My chats just go on for a little bit too long. So I've broken it into two parts. You're going to adore listening to Ruth Friend. She really supports other music educators and at the later end of her career, like me, she is turning her focus onto supporting other music teachers. Settle back and enjoy my chat with Ruth Friend. Hello and welcome to Ruth Friend. Hello, Ruth. Hi there, Deb. <laughs> I've always liked your last name. I've always, <laughs> you know, like friend, love, you know, those sort of last names. They're so It's cool. a perfect, perfect name for teaching primary kids. Oh, definitely. They, they, you know, they smile. Oh, as long as I live up to it. Yes, and you say, you know what, I am. <laughs> yes. All right, now I'm exactly. going to start out the way I start out with everybody is I'd like to read your bio, just your brief bio, so mm -hmm. that people who haven't met you will get just a quick little background. All right. Music educator and author Ruth Friend passionately supports music teachers to maximise their teaching effectiveness in the classroom and rehearsal room. She is an experienced facilitator in training teachers in the Kodai approach to music education with 40 years of teaching experience and expertise encompassing classroom music and movement, instrumental and choral programs from kindergarten to university. Ruth's first publication, Put the Beat in Your Feet, for flute, focused on developing independent, creative young musicians. She has since co-authored the successful Take Note music series of student and teacher books, along with outstanding resources for the music classroom. Ta-da! There Ta -da. you go. <laughs> 40 years. I feel so old. <laughs> oh, join the club. We are of yeah. obviously a similar vintage. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> and relishing it. It's a lovely yeah. place to be. Oh, I think it is. And mm. I was just reflecting the other day that what a shame it is in a way that after this length of time that's when you're actually starting to feel actually I've got my head around this job now absolutely I feel like I'm really cooking now and I'm just about you know but I think you know that there is more ahead for us and we just have to continue to, you know to support the young ones coming through and I think that's our job yes Yes, I think that's mm. a great way of looking at it. But yes, I hear you because that's exactly the way mm. I'm feeling. Mm. So I think as we were having a little chat leading up to this, I thought I shaped this bit of a question for you. Okay, are you ready? Mm. All yep. right. As a semi-retired teacher, <laughs> self-confessed lifelong, it, like I sort of almost felt like I was talking about myself. Talking about yourself? <laughs> yeah, I know. You know I know. I know. We're, we're, oh, we're teasing just, a pod. Yeah, she sounds like me, but I'm not at the semi-retired bit yet. I'm still working yep. full-time. But anyway, so sorry, back to the first question. As mm -hmm. a semi-retired teacher, self-confessed lifelong learner who has loved 
your teaching career and would consider yourself, what would you consider? Oh, goodness, Ruth, can I just start ask, again? Yeah, I'm just going to start, start again. Ready? And I'm okay. not even going to edit this out because, yeah. <laughs> all right, as a semi-retired teacher, self-confessed lifelong learner who has loved your teaching career, what would you consider the highlights or the joys or the power or the learnings from your teaching career? Like it's a really big question. It is a huge question. And look, I think the big answer is Kodai. Discovering Kodai or stumbling across it when I was 10 years into my teaching career was just so formative. And I love Kodai's belief that every person has musical aptitude and musical instruction should take place at a young age through the simultaneous training of a child's ear, mind, heart, and hand. And that's been so informative in my career. I moved as soon as I really got codied, as I say. It's like getting religion, like, hallelujah, you know, what Where has this been hiding all my life? You know, I couldn't believe that I had been locked out of this. How could I not have found this earlier? So it was really important for me. You know, it basically changed my whole world and it formed my teaching philosophy throughout my years. And each Kodai course that I took strengthened my teaching and musicianship and therefore my enjoyment of teaching. I was doing better and I loved doing it more. So I've never stopped trying to improve. And I think that's that's the joy about teaching and the which is where the publishing has come in, that you're always trying to do better. You're trying to innovate and improve and be the best you can be. So that has been the big power in my in my uh, career. But adding on from that was the professional learning that I've gained from John Firearbin doing his uh, first steps. When he first came to Australia in 2008, I think it was, and Davina and I went to Sydney to do it. And it was life-changing. It was just, mm. what? why have we been singing with the students? Why are we not expecting them to catch the song without our help? And that was pretty powerful. I think since then, I have focused more on the development of listening skills with the students, and that has made them more musical. It's amazing. And then the, the other impact on my lifelong learning has been observations, and that's where we met. When I came to Queensland, I organised the six schools over 10 days in my first long service leave. Your school was one of them. And I went to Brisbane and met all these amazing Kodai teachers and had a fabulous time. Consequently picked up all the bugs from six schools <laughs> and got on the flight for my no. my first European vacation at the ripe old age of 50, and I was sick as a dog. I had no voice, laryngitis, blah, blah, you know. Anyway, so I don't recommend that potentially if you're not quite well. And then a couple of years later, I went to, I had a week in London as part of a, another trip to watch uh, some colour strings classes, the Guild Hall with Cyrilla Roselle, and also I saw an Aussie, expat Aussie in a girls' school over there. And I saw the growth mindset in action. And we didn't know what that was called at the time, but it's since been really, really powerful in my teaching. And then another powerful impact on my learning and my career has been going to visit John Fire in Connecticut and watching Lily in her classes and seeing Karen Howard in her classes just before she 
finished teaching as a career and went into her PhD. And I got to go to an Oak conference. So I've had a very fortunate time. I've, you know, I've worked hard. My my mums would say, oh, you've been very lucky in your teaching career. And I'd say, yes, the harder I work, the luckier I am. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, and it's not just the the content that I gained from these experiences, it was actually more the manner of the teaching that you just absorb and really imbues your teaching with, you know, going down from secondary to primary is a big shift. And I've just come off the back of a term and a half doing a bit of teaching in secondary year seven and eight boys. And it it reminds me that it is a big shift to come down to the, you know, you need to be gentle and welcoming of these children because you are very informative on the socialization when they're middle years it's like whoa you know back off lady so it's it's a very different place and you need every little trick in your kit bag to manage children growing up and learning to socialize i love it and i do i do agree with you that there is actually nothing like learning from that involves observation of other teachers mm. working. And, oh, and it's a absolutely. real problem in our profession because when you're working yep. away in your school, not only do you not get a chance to go and watch someone else teach, there's no one near you anyway. Well, you yep. know, you had to fly, well, you didn't have to go that far, but you flew to Brisbane, you flew to the UK, you flew to America, America, mm. you know, and of course there are, we're not saying that you have to go that far afield to find excellent no. examples, but mm. you can't do it easily, you know? it. You know, if you try to do it in your own state, you then have to have get leave mm-hmm. so that, you know, from your school to go and see someone teaching in the in another school in Melbourne for example and that seems to be harder than, than doing it on your downtime in holidays etc so in all of this it was holiday time or pardon me the oak conference was in march in the middle of a term and Caulfield Grammar had given me time off to say thank you for doing the acting head of for 8 months so they said, "Where? what would you like to do? And I said, I'd love to go to the Oak Conference. And so I put on the observation, early, you know, before that. And it's just making connections with Kodai people around the world that it allows you to ask, look, would you mind? And could I? And mm-hmm. Lily Farab and, and John were fantastic supporting me in that. And, you know, I think we're, we're so, so fortunate to be in our field Deb, where we are all friends. Yes. We all support each other. We all are about moving music education on to bigger and better things. And it's not about, you know, tall poppy syndrome and, you know, oh, who does she think she is and all the rest. And I, I get that when I when I do my little videos, my teaching tips. And I think, oh my God, do I, you know, and I went to a conference recently and I had someone come running up to me and put their arms around me and I'm going, oh, I don't oh. remember your name. And she said, oh, do more videos, please, you know. And I then someone else said the same and I went, oh, gosh, really? So it's just about sharing mm-hmm. and improving, help, you know, helping. Every time you think about, you know, every time I do one of those little videos or I do a teacher training thing, conference, workshop, you learn so much because you're reflecting on your practice. And I think that's been the joy of everything I've done. Yes. Yes. I, I think 
probably if you look up the dictionary under lifelong learner, I'd say that one of the listings would be Ruth Friend, wouldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I do agree 100% that when you present or when you make videos or Mm. when you do podcasts, Mm, absolutely they're learning you know they're learning for you even if you're presenting and you're growing and I'd love to go right back to something you said near the beginning of this chat it actually adds to the joy of doing your job when you know Mm. that you have grown there's there's sort of an excitement in Mm. your own development as a teacher isn't there absolutely yeah and you know I I pity the teacher in any area who just keeps doing year after year after year after year the same thing the same way because I will never do that. And I love the fact that every term, every year, we get to have a fresh start. And I don't think you get that in any other gig because teaching, it's a new set of students and a new year and you might have a different room or, you know, whatever. And you can say, okay, this year, I'm going to do this when they arrive in the classroom. I am going to have these expectations and you start afresh and each, each class comes in and, oh, okay, you know, that's the expectation. So I have absolutely loved that journey. And and I do think that that's uh, the the difference. Uh, It's going to sound a little mean in a way, but it's the difference between a good teacher and a teacher that's not a good teacher, really. Yes, who's not responsive. Not not yeah. responsive in any way. Is That's when you start getting that I'm feeling stale. I'm. But, you know, it is also just a mindset thing. Like mm. you can look at that having to start over again, fresh and exciting. You could also go, oh, my goodness, oh, this not class again. is half empty. A new set of kids. Oh, how many special needs kids are in here officially? <laughs> Yeah, you know how on earth am I going to cope with this child doing this? No, I've got that class after lunch. They're always so naughty after lunch. What am I going to do? You know, I do think part of it is a mindset thing because it is all of those proactive. Yes, all of those advantages could be disadvantages. Yep, it just depends on the way you look at it. And yes, proactive yep. rather than reactive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that mean it all comes down to being well planned. So, you know, at Caulfield I had a boy who was ASD and he had he had an aide which was great who would always come to music, so that was great. And I knew that next year when I had him for my recorder classes in year 3 that he would go whoa Mm. so I organized for him to do the keyboard thingo with the program there with the earphones on and he was great the following year we managed to get him onto the tuba in the band program and he ended up in year six to be our best tuba player so it's catering for you know that wasn't our only that was only that segment of recorder in the lesson I didn't sort of push him off to the side for the whole thing but it was just I knew that that would do his head in Mm -hmm. and when the you know the parent got in contact with me and the homeroom teacher before we started music I said yeah it's all it's all under control all done so you know if you plan ahead then you are more likely to have success in your classroom but each child will then have that feeling of success as well as a learner. Fabulous. I love it. All right. I'm going to give you another official question, even though you've Uh already talked about (laughs) so much of this. 
highlights or a highlight or highlights of your journey as a music educator and gratitude for who are you most grateful? Mm. Because you've already mentioned a few yes. things that have to be highlights and people. Exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else um, you want to add? I, I think I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day and I hear you that so many te- music teachers are out there and they're, they're it. They have no teaching colleague. Mm. And I have never done that. I have been so fortunate. And I look, and I've chosen to teach in the private sector where I do have a teaching buddy. And it has been the joy of my life because, you know, oh, you're just about to go into the class and you've had that body percussion thing go again. And you've, you know, I'm always singing and dancing in my office, in the corridor with my teaching partner. That has been the joy. And so I've taught these teaching partners have become lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Claire Preston, who's now in Queensland, You're, you guys are lucky up there, Marion Stafford and Davina McClure, of course. And then working on choral projects with Paul Jarman, that was, you know, so much fun. And the learning and the collaboration that goes into those sorts of things was just so joyful. So, you know, making those lifelong friends has been a really core part of of the journey. So music is my heart, my soul and my life, you know. The friends are there. The, it's pretty. And I know you and Deb. Deb. Hmm. It's Deb and Deb. Yeah, Deb, Deb and Deb Debbie. Show. We That's get right. called we get called Deb and Debbie so that people who work with us a lot and know us well. I no, just don't yep. ever get called Deb and she yep. never gets called Debbie. And that way okay. we are distinguishable. I will have to I will have to do that. So I yep. <laughs> Thank so, you, Debbie. Yeah, if, if someone calls me Deb. I think, oops, where, where is she? Who is she? Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> but you really have to form those relationships if you don't have mm. someone at the desk beside you. That's right. You know, and I've been really fortunate. I've worked with a lot of amazing people, mm. but often they're on shorter-term projects. But luckily right. with Deb and I, as we got to starting to work together, we're going, okay. And mind you, we're also we enable each other too. Yes, we enable. Okay. I've got a good idea, Deb, but we think, oh, no, here we go again, you know, <laughs> and we egg each other on. However, some good things have come out of that together sing. What do you mean, <laughs> however? You mean because of that, it's, you know, so Davina and I are very much like that. We just complement each other as well. So it, it's a wonderful partnership, 20 years long now. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm. So good, isn't it? Okay. Tell us a and, bit. And oh, uh, no, gratitude, no, sorry. Yeah, no. no, and I should not omit my beautiful Kodai teachers. So Julia Piggan oh, and yes. Mark O'Leary in Victoria yes. and the Queensland team in, oh, when I caused the flood in 2011, coming up to do my first and only summer school. Oh, no. I do apologise, Brisbaneites, because Please I did feel that. <laughs> but I'd caused the Brisbane flood coming up there. She's finally getting here to do her summer school. And, uh, yeah, we got flooded out. That was an experience. So Marie Hennessy, et cetera, oh, yeah, it's yeah, amazing people. Beautiful people. Yeah, I mm. agree. Gorgeous people. So tell us a little bit more about your publishing career and about that sort of publishing journey because mm. I, I think it's very different now to what it would have been when you started on your journey? Well, it it certainly was. And I so I'd been teaching flute for 15 years and I was home 
with my second child and he was six months old. And I just thought, oh, wow, I get an opportunity from five till seven in the morning (laughs) after his feed. I've got my own space. Now, some other people might have gone back to bed and read a book, but you know, (laughs) no, no. So I started writing, put the beat in your feet. And it was just a way of really putting down my teaching format for teaching flute with the using the rhythm time names which were not included in anything at that stage Mm. and then also picking out the tricky parts of a song and putting them into finger teasers outside of the song material so as a little technique thing so you know and I really uh, honed the the audio that went with that and the and it focused on improvisation on the blues so it had folk tunes, my own original songs, and the the blues because I had been brought up uh, well through uni m- more so improvising and working on my improvisation. Not that I'm a practicing jazz muso now, but it was. I just thought it was so important to have students from the start creating. You know, as soon as they play one note, they can start improvising. It's actually a great tonguing practice. You know, oh, wonderful. And can I say, from the little that I know, not being an instrumental teacher, but I've certainly uh, seen quite a bit. That's mm. definitely something that's missing: the creativity, oh. improvisation. There's there's a lot of you know we're doing exercise six in the book. We're up to page ten. It's all, all the, very. You know, yeah, mm. it's mind blowing, and and I mean the thing about the cl- in the uh, music classroom where you're all on in the same key on your tuned percussion uh, or recorder, you can do it all together in unison. But when you get into a band context, then you're on concert B flat, or you know, and it, it does get a bit harder with the imp- uh, the other instruments. But te- just doing it on flute, it was such a joy to see my students once I finally published it, and you know, I went through the submitting it to Allen's and to whatever was around at the time. But they said, no, we've got our, we've got a flute tutor. Yes. Tick. Mm-hmm. So that was enough. And it didn't matter that this was a different approach. So I went ahead and got my $3,000 loan to publish and print it. And, you know, it was a real learning journey, but it opened up so many doors to collaborate and talk with all the um, Australian flute teachers when when I met them at a conference or something. And they were interested to talk to me about specific elements of, you know, because I was basically saying, I'm out there. This is what I think. And But it was a wonderful way of having really rich, meaningful discussions with other teachers who were, you know, world-renowned who were saying, oh, yep, this and this. And so it was another learning journey. Mm. It was wonderful. Can can you still get put the beat in your feet? No, you can't. So what happened was I can't bear the business side of business, which is the whole tax and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And oh, thank God I for my husband, Rod. Mm. Rod, he <laughs> is amazing. And he does all that side. I just couldn't bear the whole that whole thing. And so when the first print run of a thousand student cop books ran out I thought no 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 I'm not not going to pursue that but that was sort of at the time I was heading towards meeting Davina anyway so um it was good but I think it you know potentially something that I can pursue in my semi-retirement but I learned heaps from it and it was a great experience and it sort of I suppose opened the door to the take note music journey because when Davina and I met I arrived at Caulfield Grammar and we'd been teaching for that year together and I just 
said, I'm really not happy with what what's out there with the way of, you know, a textbook for classes. So we started on producing the, not producing, but working on book one for, for, for our prep students. And we had the sheets down the hallway, you know, like, no, no, that needs to come first, that needs to come next, you know. So the sequential nature of it was super important. And then we had her sister doing the, the graphics for the song pictures and, you know, it, it just got bigger and bigger. And then I said, look, if we need this, so do other people. And that begat Take Note Music. So we spent years, probably six years, developing the first three books and trialing and trialing and trialing and perfecting. And then, you know, so, you know, the success of the whole the whole business is based on the fact that we're both in the classroom. We're dedicated, hands-on, living it. And we, you know, we keep it relevant to music teachers who want something carefully scaffolded and with lesson plans and worksheets and, you know, a, a really wonderful Kodai writing program. So it sort of grew organically from that need for our preppies and grew from there so that the the books came first and we've always aimed to keep improving them and, you know, second editions, third editions to meet the needs of people's feedback. And then all the other products came from, the resource kits came from, you know, the, the song pictures and everything, standing in front of a blasted laminator with everything burning and crunkling and fair income. I just couldn't believe that that's what people did. Ah, so, you know, if we provide the books, then we should provide the, the other things that support the learning. And we didn't want teachers. I just didn't believe that teachers should be standing in front of photocopies or laminators. That is not our core business. Our core business is planning and reflecting on your practice, mm-hmm. you know, spend your time doing that and you'll be a better teacher, not laminating your own this and that. And and it's because we're so underfunded that people have had to do that. And then the fun the fun parts of uh, our publishing with Mrs. Clef, our ebook series, where that came out of Davina living on the farm with her chicken coop and she came up with the concept and then we we worked on it together and, you know, recorded her chickens and had Mrs. Clef sing and just it's a wonderful storybook for little kids and then it unpacks the note names in the treble stave as as the students get older, they understand this. And then we, I'd added the melodic contour journey from those lovely music map books, that series. And then and all the things that I've developed through the classroom, the the giant music stave kit, the xylo magnets, because, you know, I had a bunch of year five, mainly boys, who could not get the instrument, the xylophone set up to play a pentatonic scale. And I would draw the pentatonic scale, you know, the, the notes, the keys on that with with an arrow going, now you take the F off and you take the B off. They still couldn't do it. And by the time I'd gone around and set them up, the whole class was, you know, having a riot, of course, having a great old noisy time. So I thought there's got to be something better. And, you know, so all of our resources have developed from the need for something in the classroom, you know, and we've we've developed puppets, getting them made in Nepal. And we've got a partnership with Optimum because they've taken over the, the production of our Zylo mags and our Chime Bar mags and the chime bar staircase and all that because they're a bigger operation and they've got storage and all the rest so that's that's worked really well for us Mm. and the and the great thing it's been sort of 
fam- the whole family involvement. So my family working on uh, laminating the flashcards and whatnot, and the kids paid off their overseas trips by doing doing the we call it lovingly the sweatshop. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and my husband was called uh, Bert for the work- warehouse manager because he'd manage all the books. You know, we'd need five five of these boxes and whatnot. And Rod doing the banking and the uh, the business side of our business. And Davina's kids were doing artwork for us and IT. And yeah, it's been a real two families joined together and working towards, you know just providing teachers with rich learning for their students. Wonderful. That It really does sound like it was a fabulous time and you helped yeah. lots of people. I do believe I am still using one of your ghosts. Ah, lovely, yes. Mm, he's quite beautiful. Beautiful ghost, yes. yeah. So he's, he's one, of, one of my vocalisers for my yeah. kids. Yes. Yeah, it's such a simple idea, isn't it? And yes. I remember teaching the early learners at Caulfield and having our ghostie uh, with the little club, you know, probably had 15 children in the class and the concept of and the children would echo and then I'd pass it to the next person and they were supposed to create their own vocal expression and then pass it. But the concept of passing, I realised that's a very difficult thing. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to give it away. And who should I give it to? Well, it's around the, you know, like, Let's pass it around the circle. Oh, that was very, very difficult, I remember. But it was joyful to see them experience the joy of the echo coming back from the other children. It just was such a powerful social moment for them that what I just did, my friends did back to me, and that is really just wonderful feeling. Yeah. Well, that's great. Oh, Well, we'll have to put in um, some links and things, anything that you can think yeah, of okay. that we can – we'll pop them in the show notes so people can be great. pop on and check some things out. That would be good because I also yep. – your your tips, your tea and tips, tips and tea. Oh, yes. Tipsy tea. Teaching tips and tea. <laughs> <laughs> Tipsy tea. It's do that one, Scott, one time Scott, with the G and T. G and T. Ah, G and T. Okay, I get it. I like it. It's teaching tips and tea. Love it. <laughs> yes. So we'll have to put people onto that too. I think they, there's some great things in there. I appreciate you and all of my colleagues and hope this episode has been enjoyable and useful. Don't forget you'll find the show notes on crescendo.com.au. I'd love a share, rate or review to help other music educators find this podcast All I can be is the best version of me. All you can do is be the best you. Until next time, bye. As we know, laughter relieves stress. Don't lose sight of the funny side of life. I always wanted to be a Gregorian monk, but I never got the chance. (laughs) There's a a music one for you. (laughs) 